Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea, and I am absolutely delighted to be joined by a new co-host, Tish Hamilton. Welcome back to the podcast, even though this is your first time in the co-host chair. Um, thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I am thrilled to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you are now, for those folks who don't know, you now contribute to the Another Mother Runner website um, about four or five times a month. And so it was based on crowd response to those posts, uh, to the announcement that we made that you were going to be writing occasionally for us, um, that people in the comments, there were like so many comments, they were like, well, you're going to have Tish co-host, right? And I was like, why, yes, we are. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we crowdsourced you, Tish. So I'm glad. I'm glad you well, accepted that's so nice to hear, and thank you to all the mother runners who uh, nominated me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I figured since this is your first show with us, we had to, uh, you know, time travel a little bit and go back to 2007 because you are very much, very much uh, to thank for this whole party being here because you were, as editor and editor of Runner's World, you were the one who gave Dim and me our assignment to train for and run the Nike Women's Marathon that eventually ended up um, turning into the book, Run Like a Mother, our first book. So I don't know, let's let's go back in time. So I'm forgetting, did did Dim pitch you? Did I pitch you? I'm it's it's recounted in the first pages of Run Like a Mother, but it's all a little hazy because it was now eleven years ago. Um, but Well you're right, you have all of your fame and fortune is thanks to me. <laughs> right, right. And yeah, and I sense that there is some where are the royalties now, Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's coming all back because now you're letting me contribute to right, you know? yes. So I appreciate that deeply. <laughs> all, what I can remember is that you and Dimity pitched me this idea that you were going to run some multi-day, multi-stage race across the top of the Rockies. And I was like, and you guys are going to do this and have lots of little kids at your house. Okay. <laughs> and I said, fine, sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Do that. Right. And, and then you got, got back to me and said, well, maybe we need to scale it back. A yeah, just bit. dial it back. Just a touch. Just a touch. Yeah. <laughs> And at, and at first, I remember you said, oh, well, we already have somebody. Because I think then we said, oh, how about the Nike Women's Marathon? You know, it's women's race and all that stuff. And, and you were like, oh, well, we already have your buddy Sarah Corbett doing that story for us. So sorry. <laughs> right. I forgot about that. And she did do that race with her buddy. Um, yeah. But, you know, her story was a completely different kind of story. And they were both great stories. And we ended up with yours, uh, you and Dimity, you guys both trained for it using different kinds of programs and mm -hmm. we uh, we weaved together your stories of the different kinds of programs you were training and your different goals and expectations and mm -hmm. adventures along the way mm -hmm. to the starting line and and it, it was it turned out it was a terrific thing because you know it did speak to all kinds of different runners right who do mm -hmm. different kinds of training programs and who are different places in their lives mm-hmm mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then the funny thing is, as a side note, we ended up hanging out with Sarah Corbett and her pal, whose name I'm escaping. I totally see her in my mind. But um, after Claire that, uh, oh, Claire, right, 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 right. We ended up hanging out, hanging out with Claire and Sarah after that race. And we had to, I had to drive from San Francisco up to Stinson Beach, where they were staying, which is on, if anyone knows the, the geography, it is this windy, two, you know, one lane each way, Highway 1. 
and I mean, you know, just these after, hairpin curves after, after doing a marathon. And I'm like, oh, please let my leg move from the <laughs> from the gas to the brake. Please let it move. <laughs> and then we get up there after like, I don't know, you know, a 75 minute drive or something and like basically fall out of the car because our legs went <laughs> extend straight. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah. And then also then, um, you know, as a, as a, as a freelance writer, you will appreciate this, that when, when Dim and I were training, I was like, Hey, Hey, could we maybe write for runnersworld.com so that we could make some money along the way <laughs> as we were training? And I remember I was like, but Tish, now, like, if we blog about it, people will like, know how we finish. And you were like, uh, Sarah, not that many people read it. Like it'll still be a big surprise when it comes out in the magazine. <laughs> well, but then didn't take that idea and turned it into your own thing mm-hmm. so yeah so that then became um i guess then we were on the on the runner's world website we were the marathon moms and then so then i think maybe we somehow got a url that was pretty close to that because back in the day you know you could actually snag urls that that meant something and said something and then we turned it into run like a mother the book.com i think if i'm getting my urls right and uh finally then um, Dim came up with the idea that our brand name, another mother runner, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, uh, it was um, an evolution along the way. Yeah, but um, it was those, it was those. Uh, I guess maybe two or three times a week we blogged on Runner's World site, and it was just that's where we discovered the community that it has now blossomed into the AMR community. And we still have people who meet us in person, or you know, we'll write on our Facebook page or something, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I was with you back in the marathon moms days on Runner's World." I was like, "Wow, that's awesome dedication." So, um, that, that's really super cool, Sarah. And I'm I'm curious, do you have a sense of the number of your community? Um, in terms of uh how large the amr community is yeah yeah we reach uh we via our you know so our website this podcast um you know instagram twitter facebook that whole thing we estimate that we reach uh 320,000 women per month so wow yeah that's really super cool that's, yeah and that's yeah, a yeah. really passion an impassioned community which is super awesome to connect with exactly and and you know i think that, that, you know, even though people might not know that it's about, you know, a third of a million women, that I get the sense that they feel that support and that community and that it's, you know, it really is what gets them out the door when they don't feel like going because they know there's other people doing it, even even if they're yeah. not looking at our Facebook page and seeing it. So, right. um, yeah, that reminds me, last night at dinner, my, um, we were... I don't know how we got talking about, but we were talking about some company, a, a large Fortune 500 company, and um, the kids were asking why they hadn't done something. I was like, oh, well, you know, th- th- that company's out to, you know, their number one priority is making money. And the kid, John, my 12-year-old son, turns to me and he goes, well, what's another mother runner's number one priority? And I was like, you know, like, stop midway with the enchilada up to my mouth. I was like, uh. <laughs> and I said, uh, to provide support and inspiration to get women out the door. So, <laughs> right. and also to keep the roof over the head, right? right. To, uh, yeah, exactly. To keep those sneakers on your feet, son. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Next question. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes. So well, thank you for traveling back in time and reliving that. Um. So so I hear perhaps no Boston on your horizon this spring. 
Uh, I do not have a qualifying time. I'm not anywhere close to qualifying for Boston this year. You know, that makes me feel so good about myself, Tish. <laughs> um, I'm sorry to laugh at, at that, but, um, I'm, you know, just you, you are a squeaker extraordinaire, but um, it always seemed like you did make it happen. So, there- well, you know, I think actually the definition of a, a Boston squeaker is somebody who mm-hmm. squeaks in, right? So mm-hmm. that means you're just on the line, like uh-huh. right there on the line at the qualifying time. And sometimes you make it, sometimes you don't. And I've run a lot of marathons. So I haven't actually done the numbers, but I bet you it's probably about half or less that I managed to qualify and then the other oh. half is like way, 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 way off, like, oh. you know, an hour and a half off the bus where it's like, how did I ever do that? Who is that person? <laughs> and did you, um, because, you know, they had the largest qualifying margin ever, I think, I'm, am I speaking yes. correctly when I say that? It was, yes. what, three yeah. minutes, 27 right. something seconds, something like that. Were you, um, was your time within that margin you didn't make it or... <laughs> Or no? No, I mean, I, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm literally like, you know, at least a half hour off oh, of what okay. I. Did. So right, I'm, I'm not okay. anywhere close. I All mean, right. good. And my, my, my running tends to be in in peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, sometimes I manage to get myself really fit and and uh, and my life calm enough that I can train and. Mm-hmm. And the stars all align, and I qualify. Mm-hmm. That is that that becomes in, more and more increasingly rare occurrence. Um, <laughs> and more often than not, it's like you know, run what I can and get across the finish line. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And that's where I am today. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And do you find that I found that my last marathon training cycle went really well, and then just in the race itself, it just I had a really good race, but um, the time just wasn't what I, I, I rarely looked down at my Garmin, but yet the time, my finish time ended up being s- slower than I anticipated, even though I felt good, I felt strong. Like, so do you, do you find that um, it, that the, you know, proverbial wheels come off the bus in the training or in the race? So the, um, when you say you felt good, um, you finished strong, you didn't look at your watch. All of those things are so positive, and, mm-hmm. and I'm glad to hear you say all of that. And then I the said old... the wheels on the bus comment. I shouldn't have said yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also that you weren't happy with the time. Like, so so then you got to ask yourself, well, why are you not happy with that time? Yeah. <laughs> because everything else was really, really good uh, and, and positive. <laughs> I, I I shouldn't I should if I let's say I'll re recount it if I focused on the time I would be disappointed that it didn't come up with what it, my training indicated I could do that um, it seemed like to me it felt like an effort that was about 15, 13 to eighteen minutes faster than it really ended up being and, oh you know well welcome to getting older. <laughs> all right Uh, yeah in my head like Uh, you know because i i've started i ran my first marathon when i was 27 i think you know uh and uh and back then like a 10 minute mile was really really slow yeah (laughs) and so in my head i sometimes think that you know and i go Uh oh my god i only got 30 minutes i can run three miles and then i go out for 30 minutes like wait a minute (laughs) (laughs) i'm nowhere near my house i still have to get back to my house have to keep adjusting and adjusting and adjusting but you know and on the other side at least we're out there and we got to be happy with our 12 minute miles or yeah. our 13 minute 
miles or a 14, whatever it takes, you know, to just keep moving. Yeah, it's so funny that you say that particularly today because I went out on a solo run and I ran six miles. And um, so, you know, like I know that, that, you know, I stop or, you know, so I switched, you know, to listen to a different podcast or something. So I know I'm not just running continuously those six miles. So, you know, I think, oh, okay, I'll come back. I'll be back in just slightly over an hour. And (laughs) I I ended up running like, I don't know, 11 and a half minute miles. And I'm like, whoa, okay, I'm totally behind the gun now. Like I got to go inside and make those kids lunches, get that dog outside to poop. Like I got stuff to do. And somehow the time it was not just an hour run, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I totally know that. And in fact, I, you know, for me in, in my like sort of daily training, not for a race, um, I, I really do it by time versus distance because uh-huh. of that. Because, you know, everything's like blocked out, right? Like uh-huh. the run gets done. You got to do the, the kids and the dog and the work and the this and the that. So I just uh-huh. say I'm going to run for an hour and whatever I can do now back in the way back machine i could almost do eight miles in an hour and now it's like five-ish but that's okay that is okay yeah yeah yeah. maybe i should then set for 2018 because i uh i should do a time goal because i really got spurred on last year at the very end of the year by by my annual mileage and it was the first time i'd ever paid any attention or even had a way to record that and uh-huh. so maybe, and so Dim's like, okay, you did 1500 last year. What are you going to do this year? And I'm like, gah, gah, gah. I don't know. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if in Strava, am I able to set like a time, you know, an annual time thing? I would think so. Right. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's so sad. Like how many years cumulative do we have between us? And we're like, technology? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Well, speaking of somebody uh, who has been running for a while, today's guest, we are delighted to welcome back a man who really needs no introduction in the running world, and that is Bart Yasso. Bart was a Runner's World Magazine mainstay working there for three decades, most recently as chief running officer. Bart is retiring from Runner's World, and he's been dubbed the mayor of running. He's also credited with inventing the Yasso 800s, a widely used marathon training workout and extremely painful workout, I might add. After a quick break, Tish and I'll talk to Bart about a variety of topics, including his new book. Stay tuned. Well, welcome back, Bart. You are an honorary mother runner, as I was saying. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, thank you so much, sir. It's it's really a pleasure to be on. I got to be honest. I love. Uh, I do kid around saying I'm not a mother. How am I going to be on this podcast? But <laughs> I love what you guys do, and obviously, you know, I'm a runner, and I admire what you do, and and follow what you do, and enjoy what you do. Thanks, thanks. And I know that uh, mother runners literally embrace you in runs. I'm thinking of uh, my pal Kristen out in Maryland, who I think she ran into you maybe at Richmond. I'm not sure if that was the right race, but that you that, yeah. you, that you ran with all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so how's retirement treating you? What are you up to these days? Yeah, I'm still working on a uh, retirement. Actually, Friday is my very last day. I'm cleaning out my office today, actually. Oh, so, all right. It's a little bit of a process. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, but I'm almost there. Uh-huh. But yeah, things are things are treating me pretty well. Good, good. And what, I mean, what do you, what do you think the next chapter of your life entails? You know, I have no clue. I really don't know. I mean, I hope it's uh, not as much travel and a lot of rest. And, uh, you know, I really want to retire, but I really also want to stay connected to the running community in some capacity. So, 
<laughs> and so I'm trying to figure out what what I'm gonna do. I I always have gone to a few races that they feel like family to me. So I'm gonna continue to go to a few events that uh, I have a great relationship with, and I'll do some stuff there, and and I'll stay active on social media. So I'll stay connected somehow, some way. So. Bart, you're cleaning out your office, which I can hardly believe because I remember it was like just chock full of race posters and race medals and all this memorabilia. What are you going to do with all that stuff? Are you going to have a Bart museum? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I'm throwing some of it away. There are some sentimental things I'm going to keep, but I'm sorting through it all right now. It, there is a lot of stuff in my office, and there are a lot of files in my computer that I'm sorting out too. So it's a combo of sorting out my uh, files and computer and also as you noted there's all the stuff crazy stuff in my office that uh, when you work some someplace 30 years you accumulate a lot of stuff but I'm sorting through it and uh, people always used to love to come and take pictures of my office but now it's uh, it's all you know I, all the things I see are uh, pins and uh, nails and stuff wherever where all these pictures used to be and uh, push pins there's all kinds of stuff in here but i'm gonna there's some things that i definitely will save and i found some things that i didn't even realize i had which was pretty cool oh good were they things that you had been looking for and wishing you still had or these were things you had for, even forgotten you had Things I completely forgotten that I races that I didn't, you know, just like were not in my memory bank. And now they are because I found like the bib number or the, you know, an award or something. Uh -huh. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. Nice, nice. All right. So 40 years of racing. Uh, that's that's amazing. Uh, when you think back on the racing scene in the 1970s versus uh, current day, what are the most striking differences that spring to your mind? Well, by far, women in our sport, by far the most striking difference. Uh, and then at some point, the sport of running really figured out to be an inclusive sport and to uh, allow people of all abilities to participate. And that was also the second biggest change uh, outside of women coming into our sport. And, uh, you know, it's just made it a joy to be involved. Uh, you know, if the times I run today, if I was running those times 35, 40 years ago, there would be no one there when I finished. But uh, now there's still people out there and I can run with people and it's uh, it's really a joy. I got to be honest. The, uh, you know, in races, another big change was all the marathons adding a shorter distance race. A lot mm -hmm. of them doing half marathons or a 10K. Mm -hmm. That didn't happen in the old days. And that just... Uh, you know, for me, I, I tend to do the shorter distance race the weekend of a race. So it's it's fun that I have a race to do when I go to these events. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Bart, you do go to a lot of events. And, and in your book, which, P.S., congratulations on your book. Your new oh, book. thank you. Um, so you talk about some of your favorite races like Big Sur and Chicago and Marine Corps. And, and um, we're curious to hear about, like, what do you think makes a great race? Yeah, that's a great question, uh, Tish. And you're right. I go, as you know, I go to a ton of races and have for my whole 30 years at Runner's World. And uh, you know, when I worked on Race Everything with Aaron Strout, it was hard to pick out like your favorite race because so many races came up in that list. But I had to narrow it down, and uh, it's it's difficult. But 
you know, I always look at a race. The first word I think of when I look at a race is the word community, how they involve the community where the race is hosted, how they involve the community of runners, volunteers, you know, really all facets of the race. And to me, that's what makes a great race. Great race is that uh, the community embraces the event. The event embraces the community. And then, uh, you know, it's not just all about the runners. It's about the volunteers and everyone involved with the race. And that's what's so special about our sport. And then, of course, as you know, so many events raise money for some really good causes. And uh, sometimes that's one of the things we lose sight of in the big picture. Uh, but that's that's what I think really makes a great race. And when, the, you know, the way they involve the community and also – a race that takes in the local flavor and has that as part of the, you know, the, the artwork and the awards and everything, you know, you really should showcase the pride you have in your own personal community that where you host these races. Uh I have to say that brings to mind that I've lived in a number of cities that, and I will say that the one I happen to live in right now, that, um, that you would barely, even though they were super active communities, you would barely know that the marathon was going on that day because there was like very little coverage in the media and it just doesn't seem like, I remember the day the, um, first marathon I ever went and spectated was the San Francisco marathon in like, I don't know, 97 or something. And, uh, and so, oh no, it must have been earlier. It must have been the early 90s. And um, my first husband and I went to the finish. And at the time, it finished with a lap around um, Kizar Stadium there in Golden Gate Park. And the um, first place woman, there weren't any pros, but the first place woman who was just booking along, there was no one cheering for her. And so my husband and I were like, great job, great job. You look, you look awesome. And she turned and said, thank you so much. And I just was like, oh, oh, my gosh, this race is so small that I get a personal shout out from the winner, female winner of this race. And I just thought, oh. I just thought it is so sad that no one, you know, cares or no one's, you know, that there's not any attention given to the race. And, you know, I, I definitely, you know, there's nothing written about in the Oregonian the day after, you know, like the way the New York Times publishes every finisher's name for the New York City Marathon. That just seems like such an amazing show of support. And um, so your your point to community being so important really does make a, a difference in the vibe of the race as a runner and as a spectator. Yeah, if the community doesn't embrace it, you know, the, the permit you're going to get is to run on some abandoned road on the outskirts of town in the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere. And mm-hmm. that's not what you want. You want to go down the grandiose part of town and take in the local flavor. That's what it's all about because uh, that's what makes it unique. You're running in a place that you normally would not have the opportunity to run like Route 1 and Big Sur or uh, – you know, as you said, starting on the doing New York, starting on the Verrazano Narrow Bridge, it's the only day people get to run on that bridge is during mm-hmm. the New York City Marathon. So mm-hmm. that's what makes an event really special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you talk about some of those um, uh, events in your book, like, and I'm thinking of other sort of more non-traditional races like Pikes Peak and Antarctica Marathon. <laughs> Um, yeah. and those, those are like, those are kind of out there. Um, and they may not be on everybody's bucket list because they're kind of out there, but, but what are some of other races that are sort of outside of the box that you might recommend? Yeah. Well, I just came back from Bermuda 
And uh, Bermuda Marathon is always one of my favorite running weekends because they do a mile race Friday night and a tough 10-kilometer race Saturday morning and then Sunday a marathon and half marathon. So you do this Bermuda Triangle Challenge where you get to do three races in three days and survive the Bermuda Triangle. And <laughs> it is so much fun because Bermuda is such a pretty place. And when you live in a cold climate this time of the year, to only have to fly an hour and 40 minutes and you're land in Bermuda and it's beautiful weather and green and lush and, oh, my God, it's just it's so much fun. And the, <laughs> the way they do the three races over three days, uh, the mile race Friday night has the biggest crowd, about 40,000 people lined front oh street gosh. in downtown wow. Hamilton <laughs> and cheer everyone on. And, and it's just because they highlight the local runners from the young kids in primary school to high school to, to middle school. And the kids have to qualify and they're fast and they run these heats. But, uh, but we, the regular runners doing the triangle challenge, we get to run first and, uh, and then the streets are open for these young kids to race. And then they bring in professional runners to try to break four minutes in a mile, which is hard to do on a, on a road course, especially this out and back course. It's a, it's a tough little course. Uh, but, but they get some really good elite runners and, uh, you know, it just makes for such a fun weekend. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I love those three day races and you just, uh, there's just, it's a way to connect with people over the whole weekend, not just on race day or not just at the expo. And I think that's what makes, it's just so much fun. Like I saw some of the same people every day. Mm-hmm. And in fact, some of the same people I saw in the race every day and they, they would say, how are you feeling today? And I, you know, it's really fun to, you know, we're running about the same pace all three days. So. So you like, so can, you did I, I all like, three days? Oh yeah, yeah. I've done the race a uh, number of times, and I always do all three races. You got to survive the triangles if they're gonna put it out there. And my my younger days, I used to do what they call the full challenge, where you do the marathon on Sunday. But these days, I settle for doing the half marathon on Sunday. And that's plenty. Yep, yeah. you got that right, Tish. <laughs> that's plenty. No shame in doing a half marathon. No, not for yeah. me anyway. No. So do you see those multi-day races? I mean, they definitely seem to be on the rise. I'm I'm thinking about like the way they split out Philly so that you can run the half sure. on Saturday and the marathon on Sunday. Do you see that as a uh trend that's coming on strong? Yeah, I you know, it's Disney really perfected it and then a lot of other races followed suit. I don't know, Disney really wasn't the first to do it, but I think they did it at the largest scale and did it very well and then other races figured out, wow, this is pretty cool people will actually pay more and run more races and then they stay more nights in your town at at hotels and Mm -hmm. eat in your restaurant so you know there's an the economy side of it for a local uh race is a big deal Mm -hmm. you know the the booster economy Mm -hmm. uh and the runners love it because of course you get more medals and more t-shirts so bermuda you get four t-shirts and four medals. So you get a medal for the mile, you get a medal for the 10K, you get a medal for the half of the marathon, and then you get another medal that says you did the, survive the triangle. So, oh, my gosh. And then please. the same with the shirts. You get a shirt for each race and then a shirt that says you did the triangle. So, Please so tell me the shirts, look. they look different, right? Like one's pink Oh, and they one's look very yeah. different. Uh-huh. They're, they're very uh-huh. Bermuda colors with hibiscus and they're all, you know, all different colors, but they got that beautiful... Uh, bright colors of Bermuda. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
Oh my gosh. And, and then, and most races do that. They award you, you know, you get a medal for each race and then a, a medal and shirt for accomplishing the whole feat. Right. Yeah. And to your point, Bart, I think there's a, a camaraderie in having survived all those things together. Yes. That, you're right, Tish. That, that's a good way to put it because, you know, in a race, if it's a one day race, if you happen to meet someone at the expo the day before or in town or out to dinner the night before the race you know we can run into some people and then you know race day it's hard to meet people because we're all nervous and crazy and we get in the corrals and away you go and unless someone's running your pace there's not a good chance you'll uh, run into people but when there's a whole weekend and you're constantly going you know you're going to three races or four races over a couple days that's where you really get to connect with people and uh, recognize people and you're continue the conversation you had the day before and I, I absolutely love it it's a lot of fun right you're sh- you're sharing in in the passion and in the pain yes that's <laughs> you are exactly right I, I was in pain this weekend let me tell you i was i was struggling out there but uh but i did finish so nice so so to mitigate that pain perhaps what what training advice would you give people who are um contemplating these multi-day races yeah, I don't think you have to train that much different. Uh, I would just, you know, one weekend or a couple weekends just do a bunch of runs close to each other. You know, if it's if it's like a Disney thing, you just run four days in a row. Or if it's uh, like Bermuda, just make sure you, your body's used to running three days in a row and, and you'll do fine. I don't think you really have to change the specific training. Just train for whatever the longest distance is in the, in the series. And then the key is just don't go too fast in those early days, you know, mm-hmm. with, like Bermuda, I, I see people kill themselves in this mile race because it's only a mile <laughs> and, and then they pay dearly for it because uh, distance runners can hurt themselves in a mile race. They may not hurt themselves in a marathon or a half marathon, but we're not used to doing mile races. So we tend to, you know, do some, get a little crazy about it. So I always, uh, I look at that, like Bermuda, I look at that mile race as just like a little shakeout run and the 10K, the same thing. And then, you know, hopefully I'll feel good for the half marathon. Uh-huh. Do you think that it's tough for some people who are, you know, maybe toward the front of the pack who are, you know, that it's hard for that, their ego to slow, the, to hold themselves back in a race? Yes, those are the same. That, that is true. And there are a lot of those people. And those are the people that tell me they can never run a negative split because they can never start out at the proper mm. pace uh-huh. and it's just because they just don't understand that uh, they don't record who's in what place at one mile and five miles <laughs> and I, the only time and place that counts is the finish line and that's what that's the mindset you have to have so don't worry if somebody is in front of you that you know you're faster than them and it just drives you know gets in your head because uh, mm-hmm. you will pass that person but you know, so what if they're in front of you at a half mile in the race or one mile in the race? It shouldn't bother you, but it does bother people. <laughs> and they they just start out too quickly. I've had many runners tell me that it's impossible to run a negative split, and I don't know <laughs> what they're talking about because it is it's easy to do. You just have to pace yourself. 
Right, right. I love the terms you put it in, though, because that it, it, the temptation is there to be like, well, I know her from my training runs, and I know that I can run faster than she does. Well, you know, I like your idea that, you know, that nobody's recording those times. I mean, sure, in a marathon, they do have timing mats, you know, 5K, 10K, half marathon, that sort of thing. But the time that goes down in glory is the finish time. That's correct. You've got that right, sir. And people always suddenly... But I felt so good in those first couple miles. And I'm like, we all feel good in those first couple miles. That doesn't mean you start out too quickly. You should feel good in those first couple miles. Yeah, and I, I don't think you even need external competition to to uh, to goad you on, right? To make you go faster than you really should. I think it can also be internal, especially oh, yeah. at, if you have a long running career like Bart and I have, mm-hmm. you know, and as we get older, we're not as fast as we used to be, but in our head, we might be as fast oh, as we used to yeah. be. <laughs> so we might think to ourselves an eight minute mile is slow. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> when, our, when our body goes, oh, hold on just a second there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I had that problem exactly what Tisha's talking about, uh, but I just <laughs> somehow I got over it and figured it out because uh, you know I, I our, do our, our, our egos our egos run a lot faster than our legs. Yes, do. that is the truth. <laughs> At some point, I figured it out, and if I I just tell myself I want to be in this I want to be in this sport, and if I want to continue doing it, you know, my I adjust those goals tremendously. I always get to that start and say, okay. The whole goal is to finish, don't hurt yourself, go out and enjoy the day and just get to that finish line. And that's how I ran Bermuda. I, was, I wasn't able to run for about 11 weeks, and wow. I was able, able to start running at the beginning of the year. So I got in a couple of days of running and then thought, oh, my God, how am I going to do this race? But, you know, I just adjusted the goals and went out there and absolutely enjoyed myself and got to the finish line each day and, you know, had fun. Not the well, fastest way you want to do it, but, you know, I got there. Well, as a as a Master's Age runner myself, I want to take a side note. I want each of you, Tish, you get, I'm going to ask you a question now, uh, that uh, how did you each arrive at the point where your your mind was able to accept that you weren't being able to go as fast as you used to? I mean. Yeah. Uh, well, for me, it's actually my Lyme disease really set me back. So I, I really didn't have a choice. I mean, mm-hmm. I knew eventually I was going to slow down. It's inevitable. If you do this stuff for 40 years and end up in your sixties, uh, it's inevitable. I was going to slow down, but I think Lyme disease, uh, you know, which I've been affected four times over the last 28 wow. years has really slowed my running down tremendously. So I, I have more problems with just, trying to train a little bit so I can go out and do races. So I, uh, you know, I was, it, it made it a lot easier to, to, to the adjustments for me because I can't train hard. So I obviously can't race hard. So I just, I just literally go out there to be part of the community and, and, uh, get to that finish line. But Tish has kept competitive and kept doing Boston. So hers, hers would be a little bit different. Well, everybody has a different story, right? So, Bart, look back to you. Like, um, what was your marathon PR back in the day? I, I ran two forty at Boston. I didn't break two. Well, I would have broken two forty chip time, but it was two forty in a couple seconds uh, back in the eighties. But I think I ran better. You know, I ran two forty one when I was like forty four years old. So I, I actually thought I ran better in my forties than I did in my. 20s and 30s because i think i was a little bit smarter in my 40s 
about tra- training and the things I did. And back in my 20s and 30s, I just raced everything. I didn't care so much about my time. I was just did way too many races, and I was having fun doing it, but I just tried to do too much. And eventually, mm. in my 40s, I kind of figured it out a little bit. Uh, a little, little, so, little too late, but I figured it out. But yeah. So Bart, you—I mean, that's to 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 me, and I'm going to say for Sarah, and probably to some of our listeners as well. A 2:40 marathon is like so um, out there fast uh-huh. <laughs> um, that that you know. I think your career—you were like super, super fast runner, and then you got Lyme disease, and so you've had a, a wider range of times. For me, I've, I've always been sort of a mid-packer. I'm, you know, as you guys both know, I'm famously someone who just, just squeaks into Boston, <laughs> but <right>. not always. <laughs> like, you know, I'm in a period right now where I can't even squeak in. I'm so far off. So, so my, you know, my slowdown has been more gradual and and not as precipitous just because I wasn't ever, you know, uh, Shalane Flanagan fast in the first place. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and Sarah, you know, you, you, you just kind of it just naturally happens. Right. You just start going slower and going slower. My my mother, who is going to um, turn 90 this year and she still runs 5Ks, she will tell you that, that our times are going to really, really drop off when we're 75. Wow. And what I would say to that is like, that's the goal we should all be shooting for, right? It's just still be talking about our time strapping off oh. when we turn seven. Yeah, I, that's so funny. I always, I always use this line. That I always just say like, uh, if, if you're under three or over 90, you can walk out of your house in your underwear and no one can say anything because you're either under three or over 90. So I always say, I just want to live long enough that I can do a race in my underwear and I can't get arrested because I said, oh, I got a 90 something. He's all right. Don't worry. Don't worry. He'll get home somehow. We'll figure it out. I'll get back to the old folks. Home. I, I think my mom's going to disagree with yeah, that. You I, might well, have your to mom doesn't. Change that to I'll, I'll change it to 95 just for your mom. But uh, but I did. I've been saying that for years. People say, "How long are you going to do those races?" And that was always my answer. Oh my goodness! Um, I think I think everybody would be fine, Bart, if you ran the, your next <laughs> race in your underwear. <laughs> oh my gosh! So so all right. So Bart, what are your three best training tips for badass mother runners who are doing marathons this year? Yeah, you know. I always runners still make the mistake of doing their long runs too quickly and their recovery runs too fast. And then the third thing is you have to keep fun in this sport all the time. Mm. And that doesn't mean that you can't go and run on the edge of death and try for your best time. You can still do that, but you have to keep it fun. The people that I personally know that have been doing this sport for 50, 60 years have always kept that great attitude, that fun attitude. Have, you know, never overdone it on the long runs. Don't, you know, you don't race the long runs. The long runs are meant to build endurance. And that, you know, that, second one i talked about is slow down on those easy recovery days because mm-hmm. that allows you to run faster on some type of quality day that you want to do like a speed workout or hill workout or longer run something like that so if you keep those three in mind you also stay injury free which will 
uh, be easier to keep it, keep the sport fun and keep doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, do you think that, um, you know, obviously the title of your book is race everything. Mm-hmm. Um, d- d- um, you know, I am not much for racing. Like it just, um, I love the training. I talk about this a lot. I just adore the training, but it's that I get really nervous. Even when I don't have a time goal or anything, I, I get nervous about race day. And then, I don't know, I sort of just don't need the motivation to show up on at a specific time in a specific place. Um, I mean, I like hearing you talk about community because I definitely love that. And particularly since then I can connect with a lot of other runners. But um, I mean, what you're thinking about you know, if you, if you don't need races or if you, or if your races just aren't your thing. Yeah. You don't need races. Cause just, you know, just being a runner, you can get all the benefits from our great sport, like stress release and weight loss and, you know, just be a happier, better person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really like, uh, the race part of it. Cause it just, it, it keeps you in the game. It keeps you committed and, you know, it just mm-hmm. makes you accountable. You know, you say, mm-hmm. okay, I have this race, you know, three weeks, four weeks away or whatever it is. So you really got to keep focused and keep the running up. Uh, I think if I never did a race, I would get a little lazy and not run as much because I wouldn't, because a lot of days I say, hey, I got to get out there. I'm going to do this run in three weeks or whatever it is. And it just gives me that little extra motivation. Mm-hmm. Right, and you're the famous Bart Yasso, so you can't embarrass yourself by not yeah, showing up. <laughs> I got to show up. I, uh, yeah. yeah. But Sarah, I would say also, you know, again, you, you and I and Bart, we've all been running for a long time, so it's easier for us to stay consistent and committed to a consistent routine. But for a lot of people who are just starting running, and by just starting, that's air quotes, <laughs> you know, that can be seven or ten years, right, where the having a race and a goal on your calendar is extremely motivating. Yeah. And I know lots of people who, who, who won't be motivated unless they've got that that you know goal on their calendar to get them out there so i think for a lot of people the races are extremely motivating as bart said and and also you know an opportunity to get out there and be among among like-minded people yeah yeah oh yeah for sure i definitely see the the uh use is the wrong word but the the beauty the um the genius of races in other people's lives it's just something that just never quite um, I don't know. I just, I just like being outside so much. Like for me, that's the reason I keep running. It's like, Oh, I get to be outside again. I'd like that. <laughs> I just, I just never get tired of being out there. So, so Bart, are you a solo runner when you're not at races? Uh, yes, I still, uh, you know, I do a lot of group runs obviously, but I also do a lot of solo runs. Uh, mm-hmm. I do the solo runs when I just think I need to go out there and sort things out and just kind of, chill a little bit and uh mm-hmm. you know and then i come back to the run with the groups when i you know love to connect with people and hear their stories and uh you know so i i use it in both ways some days it's really good for me just to get out there and do a few miles clear my head sort out my problems and uh you know solve the world in a four mile run mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. you know come back feeling better about not only my perspective of myself, but also what's going on around me. And then, uh, you know, I can really get out there and think when I'm out on a run. But then I love to do group runs because I love to socialize with other people and, and uh, you know, embrace the community. Right, right. So speaking of embracing the community and 
uh, connecting with people. So, and you talking in the beginning about how you're cleaning out, you know, electronic files. Are you going to also delete from your mental database all the names of the runners <laughs> that you remember from race to race? I mean, that part is one of your greatest skills. Yeah, that's it's like that, that skill has kind of faded a little bit. I really did have that for many years, but I think that whatever computer chip that was in my head is full of memory and uh i can't uh i can't store anymore it's uh it's hit the limit so yeah i don't know, well, I don't know what's gonna happen there because because now i do make someone comes up to me and says hey i met you last you know whatever last month at this race and i don't remember them and they go you remember everybody and i'm like <laughs> dude i'm sorry i don't remember your name like i can't uh i uh yeah, I but I really did have that for a long time. Uh, Not only people's names and faces, but where I met them, and and I also had it with like restaurants and driving directions, and which was really helpful before all this electronic stuff was around. Right. Uh, before Google was around, it was a lot harder to to do some things, and uh, it wasn't. I just had that working for me, and uh, right. But I think right. I, oh my. I think the computer chip in my head is full. So it's getting harder and harder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You need a mental Dropbox that you yes. can store it all up in the cloud or something. You got. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, it was all as always a delight talking with you, Bart. Thanks so much for oh, your time. Oh, thank you so much, sir. Keep up the good yeah. work. All those mother okay. runners out there, keep at it because uh, we do have the greatest sport in the world, and uh, it is a great community, and that's what it's all about. Awesome. Awesome. Nice to, nice to hear you okay. from you, Tish, and good to hear your voice, and happy to hear you're doing well. Great. All righty. Take care, Bart. Good luck All cleaning right. out that office. Oh, okay. thank, thank you so much. Well, Tish, I loved having, you know, two Runner's World um, alumni talking about um, their history and running, so th I was so glad you could be a part of this conversation, and gosh, Bart just always has something new to say. It's fun talking to him. It's always fun to talk to, talk to Bart, for sure, and thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. Very good. All right, let's hear what uh, longtime runner Dimity is up to over there in the Train Like a Mother Club. Hello, everybody. It's Dimity here in Denver on a kind of cold gray Thursday. But it is Mason, my hound's birthday. He is six. I'm sure you guys are all celebrating. So he is very happy running around the house with his rawhide right now. Very fun to celebrate a birthday when you don't even know you're having it, right? <laughs> Anyway, wanted to um, drop into the Train Like a Mother Club corner. This is coming from somebody in our Metabolic Reset program, which is led by Ellie Kempton, who is the amazing nutritionist who also does Simply Nourish Like a Mother and um, Living Nourish Like a Mother, which is going to be coming up soon. Um, Metabolic Reset is a small group to help you um, reset your metabolism and help your body determine the differences between burning fat um, and burning sugar for fuel glucose or sugar. Um, and it's definitely a regimented program, but uh, just 10 people are in it. And I wanted to read one post from Christy who just posted. She said, y'all, I am 12 days in and my skin looks amazing. I cannot honestly believe how much this reset has already impacted me. I feel fantastic. I'm down seven pounds and I'm sleeping like a baby. I can't even begin to tell you how long I needed to do this. And I'm so glad we're all on this journey together. Um, and that just, uh, you know, it's, it's a tough program. Like I said, it's very regimented. The carbs are very limited in the first couple weeks. Um, but 
you know, it's, it's definitely working and people are seeing results and feeling like, um, better, which is, is really what we are after is feeling like you are uncovering the self that you know that you can be. So anyway, just wanted to drop that in for today. I'm off to, you know, make my hound a birthday cake. Just kidding. Um, have a great week, everybody. And I will see you next week. All right, we're rapidly approaching our 300th, 300th episode of the Another Mother Runner podcast. And as always, when we hit these milestones, we put together a best of show that includes snippets from the past 100 shows. We would love your input. As the person who puts that show together, I sincerely would love your input. Um, so alas, fan favorites like Dimity's Iron Man tale or Bethany's Birth of a Tampon or even the dressing the mice misunderstanding that um, Dim had, Tish, when you were a guest previously on the show, um, are not um, eligible for inclusion because they were in earlier episodes. So, but if you have a more recent favorite conversation, guest, or moment, please email me at shopgal at another mother runner. Again, that's shopgal at another mother runner. And uh, please let Tish and I know if you like this episode. She's at Hamiltish, and I'm at SBS on the run. Those are on Twitter. She's at Hamiltish, and I'm at SBS on the run. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. Mm-hmm.